I encourage everyone to have their own style. I don't like just mimicking whatever I'm doing. Just develop your own style. I can show you some key things that for me are crucial to win a case or to help a client resolve an issue. But I encourage everyone to have their own style because there's no one way of doing things correctly. There are different ways. And obviously, law is not black and white. So I really like the conversation. I think that my perspective and their perspective combined really helps us win. Welcome to Lawyers Who Lead, a podcast that challenges the notion that the law lags behind. I'm your host, Sigal Barnes. Each week, I invite a lawyer who's making powerful changes through extraordinary leadership. In each episode, we'll travel through another lawyer's life, identify what they do best, and then devise how to apply these concepts to your own world. So let's get to it. Welcome to Lawyers Who Lead. I'm your host, Sigal Barnes. Our guest today started as an FIT grad and is now a lawyer representing clients from industries such as fashion, media, manufacturing, and tech. She is the managing associate of Brand Counsel, a bi-coastal full-service law firm where she counsels domestic and international clients on IP, corporate, privacy, employment, and immigration matters. Her work has been featured in publications like Vogue, Glamour, and Elle. Please welcome our next lawyer who leads, Anna Radke. Welcome, Anna. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Anna, before we start, I would love if you could share a moment of gratitude. I've been doing this with all the guests. I know it's only noon here in New York City, but what would you say is your favorite moment today so far? I think I responded to a Ukrainian client with some pro bono legal advice, and I've been trying to get involved with helping Ukraine as much as possible. I'm originally from Poland. I moved to the U.S. almost 12 years ago, so these are issues that are very close to my heart. So I'm trying to do as much as possible. I know you can't share too many specifics, but what about this conversation and this work really moves you? I think that people have been experiencing a lot of familial separation. So I'm just trying to make sure that the families are able to stay together. But unfortunately, we still have to wait for some regulations to be changed in order for these people to be able to, to connect with their families. It's been an ongoing process and we'll see what will happen. But there is a big community of attorneys here in the U.S. and also attorneys in Europe who are really helping people who are in need right now. That's fantastic. You mentioned that you are originally from Poland and then you immigrated here 12 years ago. Yes, it was a big move. I always wanted to work in the fashion industry, but there were not too many schools that would offer fashion management majors in Poland or even in Europe. I was generally familiar with the U.S. culture because first, my older brother went to college here in the U.S. And second, I used to play basketball. I'm really tall. I'm 6'1". So I was sort of encouraged to play because of my height. And I attended a basketball camp in Chicago and was inspired by the diversity and the culture here. So I researched different schools. I found FIT. And I decided it was the right place to come here just to learn how to develop a brand. My goal was to introduce different international brands to the Polish market. We did not have a lot of international brands at the time, but during college, my plan changed because I met Guillermo Jimenez, a fashion law professor at FIT. He sort of inspired me to go to law school, which was not a popular thing to do for an immigrant, but he's been a great mentor and partially thanks to him. I'm an attorney in the U.S. now. I love this story. So I want to dig in a little bit here. How did you create this relationship with this professor? Yeah, so I went to his lectures and was inspired. I think that Jeremy Lin 
at New York Next was a huge player at the time. And Professor Jimenez created a few case studies related to intellectual property, related to Jeremy Lin's presence in the New York Next. I thought it was amazing. Different licensing opportunities, right of publicity, name, image, and likeness rights, and so on. And I was like, I really want to do it. So I audited this class and I became Professor Jimenez, a research assistant. And he also wrote my recommendation letter to go to law school. So we've sort of developed this relationship throughout the years. So when he was doing these case studies, it's like your experience with playing sports and your interest in the fashion industry and IP industry overall really came together in this class in this relationship with that professor. Exactly. That's super cool. And then you were saying you went in intending to really bring back to Poland more awareness of different international brands. Talk to me about what motivated you to want to do that. I was always into fashion. I like different designs. So, you know, whenever I had the opportunity to go somewhere abroad, I would buy Vogue. We did not have Vogue in Poland at the time. Our Vogue was launched maybe four years ago. I don't remember exactly. So I was like, we don't really have a lot of these brands. And even when I was attending my own prom, it was very hard for me to find a dress. First of all, I'm very tall, so not all brands offer tall sizes. But also I was looking for something unique. I realized that we were a developing economy, but still we did not have a lot of these brands that were available in different Western European countries or even in the U.S. So I thought that I will be able to do it. I love that you're like, you know what? I see a place in the market that's not being served, so I'm going to go and do it myself. Where do you think that comes from? I always like to look for different solutions. So this is what I do for my clients now. I think that this is one of my strengths, so I just try to utilize it. I didn't even know that it was my strength. I sort of realized that I'm good at research or generally analyzing different situations. And I was not even aware of it. My teachers in high school pointed it out to me. Then my professor at FIT pointed it out to me. And then I just connected the dots and realized that it's my strength. It just shows the importance of teachers, right? Where you have teachers in your life that are able to identify your strengths and then encourage you to continue on that path. So you graduate from FIT and then you go to Cardozo. I actually started law school at Indiana University, Myers School of Law. I applied to different law schools, then chose IU because of their IP program. It was a very strong IP program. And I attended the Admitted Students Day. I loved the campus. I went to college in New York City. So obviously, I was mesmerized by the suburban kind of feeling of a big American campus. Like whenever my friends from Poland were asking me about my college experience, it was nothing like in the movies. When you go to school in the city, you intern, you know, you have your part-time job, you're always busy. I didn't really have a full college experience. So IU campus was beautiful. Their IP program was amazing. Professors were amazing. So I was like, let's do it. Started law school there and then quickly realized that maybe the suburban setting wasn't really for me because I really knew that I wanted to get into fashion law. There were not too many different internship opportunities for me. So Professor Jimenez, who's a big part of my legal career, introduced me to Professor Barbara Colson, who's the co-author of the fashion law textbook, which is probably, you know, the Bible in the fashion industry. And then Professor Colson encouraged me to come to Cardozo. So I submitted my transfer application and I got accepted. And I ended up being at Cardozo. 
That's awesome. I too am a transfer student to Cardozo. I started out at Toro Law and then I transferred over to Cardozo. So we have more in common than we even thought of originally. Exactly. And it's not easy to be a transfer student. So no, it's not. I admire it. Yeah. What I thought was really cool that Cardozo did was they had the transfer student orientation program. They still had it when you graduated too, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I found that to be really nice. We were able to immediately meet other transfer students and create a little bit of a connection with the students there. So you're not going in completely, you know, because in 1L year, a lot of people establish those relationships. And so you're kind of coming in at a disadvantage from a social perspective. That's cool. I like to meet other transfer students. All right. You graduated from Cardozo. You worked a year and then you went to Cornell and got your LLM. How was that? What was that experience like? Oh, it was amazing. It was a very hands-on experience. I met a lot of great lawyers, great brands and people who started their own companies. Unfortunately, I think in March of 2020, we had to stop going to classes because of COVID. We were the first cohort that really attended our lectures on Zoom, which was a big challenge because we didn't really have graduation and it was harder for us to to further bond. But overall, the experience at Cornell and on their campus on Roosevelt Island was an amazing experience that I would never forget. So you get your LLM at Cornell. You're the first wave of law students that had to really deal with virtual learning during a pandemic. Now you're managing associate at Brand Council. And I want to talk more about that. But before we do, I'm really highlighting that you're a new lawyer because it's really important as we discuss leadership in the law that we hear from lawyers like you about a fresh, new and emerging perspectives of leadership. So with all that being said, what would you say that leadership in the law means to you? I think overall setting an example especially now when I start to work with lawyers even younger than me. I like to call myself a toddler attorney. I'm not a baby attorney anymore. So I think that generally showing them that legal practice is obviously about building a strong foundation. The fact that we work with different fashion clients doesn't mean that they have to understand fashion law only. It's generally good to have a strong foundation of law before jumping into a niche and showing them that being on time, being diligent, being resourceful in our profession is extremely important. And also we are in the business of really providing solutions. Being a transactional attorney, I deal with various issues that my clients might have throughout the day. And I really have to be open-minded and open to different solutions while helping them comply with law, which is not easy. And it's something that no one teaches you in law school. Agreed. While I was researching for this episode, I found a really great quote from you on your bio, and it says, a good attorney not only has a firm grasp on legal issues, but also knows how important it is to understand their client's vision. Talk to me more about that. Yeah, I came up with this quote after dealing with a very difficult issue with a big client. And I think that really understanding what the client needs and what the client has in mind for the future is crucial to building a successful legal strategy, which also contributes to overall success of a company. And as lawyers, we're sort of like an insurance policy for a client in the future. So I've been engaged in business development and understanding different needs, and especially for me, understanding different needs of foreign companies who are entering the U.S. market is important just to understand their vision, what they want to achieve here. And then I can help them make their dreams come true. So in the past, I wanted to introduce foreign brands to the Polish market. And now I'm introducing foreign companies to the U.S. market. And I think it's a 
it's a big part of my practice as well. Yeah. It's interesting how it like flipped. Do you find yourself still wanting to do work you originally wanted to do, which is bringing to Poland as well? Maybe, you know, I represent a lot of Polish clients, but now I help them develop their businesses in the U.S. Not even only Polish clients, but different European clients or basically we represent, I think, clients on six different continents. And I think that generally understanding different people's cultures is crucial in being successful in the legal profession, especially now when the world is very global. How do you do that? Well, It's not easy, right? Like, for example, I definitely prepare for my calls. I try to understand the mission of the company. I check out their website. I check out the founders. I even read about the culture. Obviously, living in New York City enabled me to meet people from different cultures. Like one of my best friends in college is from South Korea or my best friend from law school. He's from Senegal. So I was able to learn different cultures and embrace them really and apply them in my profession. Being an immigrant yourself, how do you think that informs your work as well? Well, it's been a process for me because in the beginning, I was really trying to hide it. I don't think I was highlighting it. But then, you know, it's a part of who I am, obviously. I might have moved to the U.S. when I was 18 or 19 years old. So I spent my early adulthood here in the U.S., but I'm also Eastern European or Central European. Some Polish people prefer to call it this way, but it's a big part of myself. I think that it helps me to combine both worlds, but obviously sometimes I find myself in a limbo because some people here in the U.S. might say that I'm too European, you know, (laughs) but then for some of my friends in Poland, they say that I'm too American. I also studied abroad in Italy during my junior year of college, and I met Professor Madeleine Kaplan, who's also one of my great mentors. And she's American, but she moved to Italy, I think, in her 20s. So she told me that I would never feel home anywhere because Poland, sometimes when I go back home, I feel like a foreigner. I don't understand everything. Here in the U.S., I understand the culture. I generally understand the social norms. But obviously, because of my roots, I have a different perspective on certain issues as well. So it's a weird combination. It's hard to explain. And I know that some who will be listening to this podcast, obviously, will understand what I'm talking about. I think it's really great that you're talking about it, because like you said, there's a lot of people in your position. I know, for example, my mom, she was born in Israel, but she came here when she was 12 years old. So she has this very in-between feeling as well. Part of her is will always be Israeli, but the other part of her has been here since she was 12 years old, went to college here, the whole deal. So I totally get it. And thank you for sharing that. I think it's a really important thing that people should be talking more about. So what does it mean to be managing associate at the firm? It means to set an example for more junior lawyers. And I am the most senior attorney in our New York office. I'm responsible for generally developing this office, maybe recruiting some younger associates or interns. And a big part of my job is also business development. So I have to wear multiple hats because sometimes I have to be a supervisor to younger colleagues. Sometimes I have to be a business development manager. And obviously, during the majority of my time, I'm doing substantive work, which is exciting as well. Wow, that's a lot of hats. How do you manage all those hats? It's not easy. I think you have to be really organized. I think the pandemic helped me a little bit because I was stuck at home. So I was trying to develop different strategies or philosophies that would help us grow. And actually, COVID time was really good for the firm 
And I think that we had time to regroup and just build some strong foundation and develop our firm's culture. We are primarily working remotely and it's not easy to train younger associates remotely. So I think that this is still my biggest challenge, but it's been working and I was able to connect with people from all over the world. So it worked out for us. So let's talk about that for a second. How do you train associates remotely? What are some of the things that you've learned that are effective? You have to connect with them as much as possible. I generally don't like emailing. Obviously, I would send a general email explaining what has to be done. But I think that scheduling a video call is crucial just to connect and just explain things because now they're unable to knock at my door and just ask questions. I really have to, you know, invest in spending this time with them on Zoom or on Google Meet or whatever platform we decide to connect on, which is not easy. Like my managing partner, he's a big fan of connecting with clients on Zoom or, you know, via video chats as well. I didn't really get it in the beginning, but now I see how important it is to be on Zoom and actually at least look at the person because it just brings us together and it's easier, obviously. It won't be the same as in-person contact, but this is all we had. So we had to face these challenges and try to overcome them. It's interesting because you said it's not the same as if someone could just come and knock on my door and ask questions. But in my experience and through many of these interviews, I found that not every law firm encourages the asking of questions. It's like kind of figure it out on your own and that kind of stuff. But you seem to have had that from the beginning. Why do you think that's important? You know, law school help students to understand some basic principles about law and generally build a foundation. But there are more things that make someone a better attorney. Helping them grow, it's an investment for me, investment for the law firm. So they're better attorneys and they serve more people. And it also shows like our value as a law firm at Brand Council because we really want to train these attorneys so they're better wherever they go and they can grow professionally. I encourage everyone to have their own style. I don't like just mimicking whatever I'm doing. Just develop your own style. I can show you some key things that for me are crucial to win a case or to help a client resolve an issue. But I encourage everyone to have their own style because there's no one way of doing things correctly. There are different ways. And obviously, law is not black and white. So I really like the conversation. I think that my perspective and their perspective combined really helps us win. You obviously have a very good system in place to help communicate between you and your junior associates, to help communicate as a firm, to connect. What other types of professional development do you do as a firm? We try to participate in different programs. We were a part of a clinic at the new school. We connected with various entrepreneurs. There's a platform called Embark where we connected with startups as well. I got it from my managing partner, Manoj Shah. He really tries to connect with startups and help them understand how to start a business. Because again, building the foundation is extremely important. So we've been trying to participate in different programs at academic institutions and startup initiatives just to help those people set up a strong foundation to set them up for success. That's awesome. And then as they grow, they think about the people that help them and hopefully come back to you when they need more legal services. Yep, it's planning a seat. All right. Well, I wanted to ask you a few more questions specifically about the legal industry at large. If there was one thing that you could improve about the legal industry, what would you say it would be? Just generally a more flexible approach 
would be much appreciated. I think there is no one path to success in the legal industry. And based on my experience, we were generally taught that there's only one traditional path that can make you a successful lawyer. My path is not exactly traditional, and I made some unpopular decisions throughout my career, but it helps me to build a life on my own terms while I think becoming a lawyer who can say that it's helped some people. A life on my own terms. Yeah, Anna. I love that. Talk to me more about that. You know, I generally knew what law school was about. It's three years and you have to sit for the bar. But I didn't really understand the Socratic method and then the OCI and all these things. So it's something different than what I grew up with. So the state law system, federal law system, it's just very complex. Even immigration-wise, like I've struggled with immigration so much. You have your one-year work authorization to work in the U.S., then you can get a work visa. It's a lottery-based system. Then the employer has to sponsor you for a green card. You have to go through a very long and tedious process to prove that there are no other people who can do your job. So generally, I was making decisions based on staying true to myself while still being able to practice law. It's been a challenging time, and especially because I heard from a lot of people that as an immigrant, I would never be able to practice on a high level, let's say. They thought that maybe I should stick to fashion or something like that. But obviously, there are a lot of immigrants who are attorneys. And I'm an attorney. I represented publicly traded companies. I worked with a lot of great startups and individuals. I've been preparing companies for IPOs. There are a lot of opportunities here in the U.S. and you just have to stick to your vision and just persevere. It hasn't been an easy path. Like it might seem easy to a lot of people, especially like my friends from Europe, but it's been a while <laughs> to get to this point. So it's not an overnight success. And I know that I still have a lot of things to learn and to achieve, but just stick to your values and just stay true to yourself. And you don't have to work for X company or for X law firm. Just choose one that really is aligned with your values and you'll be successful. It's interesting because I see a lot of overlap. You talk a lot about how you had to go through all of these different steps in your own immigration process and your own process of understanding concepts that were very foreign to you. And in addition to that, really ensuring regardless of what people are saying to you, saying, no, I'm going to stick to my vision. And then I see these same things in the work that you're doing and how you help clients. You do these immigration matters for other clients, helping them through those processes that you've been through. Even in your quote, vision is important to you and therefore you're ensuring that you're holding that to the same level for your clients. I love this overlap between the things that you've experienced and then ensuring that you're doing those same things for your clients as well. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, thank you for noticing it. And this is what I've been trying to do. Of course. What do you think are some things that people might misunderstand about the work that you're doing today? Time management. It's important to take care of every client, but obviously we have a lot of clients. And I think another issue that every attorney has to deal with is billing. It's not like whatever our hourly rate is, it's not the money that goes into our pocket. It's because there are a lot of different factors. Like running a law firm is actually like running every other business. 
but we just have so much more ethical obligations to meet. So I think that this is something that people might not fully understand how many ethical obligations or legal obligations we might have as a law firm. Different accounts, like a trust account, like, you know, the retainer is not our money. It's something that sits in the trust account and technical issues like that. And as far as lawyers in general that are perhaps doing other different types of areas that are not your own, do you ever find that they have common misconceptions about the specific types of law that you work in? Uh, maybe they know something about fashion law, but generally, you know, fashion law consists of a lot of different branches of law, like intellectual property or corporate, international trade. And I might not handle every single issue that might be an issue in the fashion industry. So for example, I generally don't help with international trade law, but I might help with trademarks, copyright, and things of that nature. So it's a complex area of law. Now with tech companies, with NFTs and different legal regulations that we're facing, it's very complex. So obviously we're unable to know everything. So it's really understanding that although fashion law has so many different overlaps with all of these other types of law, that there are only specific areas that your expertise will work through. What do you do with those other issues that your client might need help with? There are other team members who might specialize in these types. Then I would just refer a client to a colleague. Obviously, we don't deal with patents. Not a lot of attorneys might know that, or maybe attorneys know, but other people might not know that in order to become a patent attorney, person has to have a science background and then they have to sit for a patent bar. We don't have uh, currently a patent attorney in the law firm, but my law clerk, she has a science background and I'm encouraging her to sit for the patent bar. So yeah, you know, I might refer a patent client to a different colleague at a different law firm. I agree with you. I don't think a lot of lawyers or new lawyers know that stuff. Before I started law school, I worked for Siemens Corporation in their patent law department. So I learned very early on that it is a completely whole other exam that you need to take. And you have to have these very specific undergraduate requirements before you can even sit for that exam. When I train law line employees on the legal industry, I always make that distinction. I don't even know how important that distinction is in everybody's everyday life, but I, I always feel very compelled to tell people. Most of the time you can practice anything that you want, except <laughs> if you want to be a patent lawyer, you got to do this other thing. <laughs> so what is a piece of practical advice to our listeners who are leaders and future leaders in the law? If they wanted to follow your lead, what is a piece of practical advice that you would give to them? I would say don't be afraid of researching different issues, but still ask questions because you might find answers that you are unable to find online or in a library. What would you say is your favorite self-care practice? You know, because of my sport background, I think my life would be very empty without any sort of athletic activity. So I love Pilates. I love yoga or just taking a stroll when it's nice outside. Take a moment and breathe low profession is very demanding. So we really have to take care of yourself first before you can take care of other people. 100% agreed. If someone wanted to reach out or chat or connect with you, how can they do that? They can follow me on LinkedIn or our firm's website. There's my email, my phone number. So feel free to reach out. I'm generally pretty responsive and I try to help people navigate their careers because obviously I've had great mentors, as you learned. I want to just thank you so much for everything that you've shared with us today. I've really enjoyed learning about your journey. Thank you for great questions and your time and understanding and doing your research. I'm really impressed and I appreciate it. 
Thank you, leaders and future leaders, for listening today. We have a new guest every week, so don't forget to join us next week. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe or follow us anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can also follow at Lawyers Who Lead on social. Let's celebrate and continue to build a community of leaders in law together. Lawyers Who Lead is made possible by Lawline, the leading online platform for lawyers who want engaging, relevant CLE and professional growth content. For over 20 years, Lawline has helped hundreds of thousands of attorneys level up by providing award-winning courses in hard-to-find areas and high-demand fields. They have so many courses to choose from that are actually really interesting to listen to and watch. That's why Lawline's rated the highest in the industry, with almost five stars and over a thousand verified reviews on Trustpilot. Lawyers who lead listeners get $100 off Lawline's unlimited annual subscription, which means you can take as many courses as you want for a really good price. Just visit lawline.com slash podcast to get the special offer. Check out Lawline for the best content for leaders and future leaders in legal.